What is the most unladylike thing about you? I guess watching porn. <laughs> I guess watching porn. <laughs> I hope like to everyone who's listening that after this episode, everyone is like watching one porn and masturbating <laughs> as an unladylike gesture for themselves and solely for themselves. <laughs> I fully endorse that. <laughs> and ladies, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> now I have my homework. Like, this is yes. This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen. And today's episode, in case you didn't see the title, is about feminist porn, not to be confused with porn for women. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I hear the phrase porn for women, I think about this novelty book I once saw. And ladies, tell me if maybe you've seen versions of this out in the wild. Uh, but it was a book, I, I want to say it was called simply porn for women. And guess what was inside? Guess what it was pictures of? It was all photos of hunky men doing housework. Mm-hmm. If that were actually effective porn imagery, then brawny paper towel stock would be through the roof, okay? I mean, all of us would have been spending our quarantine just in the supply closet uh, in a, in a brawny man orgy, right? <laughs> no, this episode, we are talking about feminist porn. And what exactly is feminist porn, you ask? Well, I'm actually publishing my own book, and it is photos of uh, a woman negotiating equal pay at the workplace. I'm just kidding. That's just as terrible. <laughs> Feminist porn is so much more than porn for women. Uh, just starting with the fact that feminist porn is arguably for everybody. Okay. But to get more technical about it, here is a definition I found in a resource I highly recommend, The Feminist Porn Book, The Politics of Producing Pleasure. It defines feminist porn as using sexual imagery to contest and complicate dominant representations of gender, sexuality, race, ethnicity, class, ability, age, body type, and other identity markers. Feminist porn makers emphasize the importance of their labor practice in production and their treatment of performers slash sex workers in contrast to norms in the mainstream sectors of the adult entertainment industry, they strive to create a fair, safe, ethical, consensual work environment and often create imagery through collaboration with their subjects. Ultimately, feminist porn considers sexual representation and its production a site for resistance, intervention, and change. I was so delighted to come across this definition of feminist porn because, A, 
It's very comprehensive. And B, it is such an apt job description for today's guest. She is an unladylike listener who reached out to the podcast, just cold emailed unladylike. Her name is Bea Blue, and she wrote, I would love to talk with you about the quote-unquote hot field I'm working in. Some feminists love what I do. Some feminists have mixed feelings because of the overall stigma of my industry. I'm a feminist porn director based in Berlin, 31, bisexual. My goal is to shoot strictly ethical porn from a feminist perspective. Even though I started out just a year ago, my work resonates. It's been shown at a couple of film festivals and attracted some media attention, and it tells me I'm on the right track, and most importantly, that the time is ready for change in the porn industry. So, and ladies, this episode, Bea is going to give us a glimpse into what feminist porn looks like in practice, both on screen and behind the camera. I'm Bea Blue. I'm a porn director based in Berlin. I'm focusing on feminist porn. I, I do have a background actually in camera operations. And I worked for some commercials a couple of years. And then I was like, okay, let's make a, a harsh cut. And it's such an interesting time for porn. And many people, many young people uh, really want to change a lot. And I think it's the perfect time and a spot to be. So I need to <clears throat> hear more of the story of how and why you made mm. this, like, I think the way you put it was you made a harsh cut <laughs> to getting mm. into porn. To be quite honest, one and a half years ago, I, my girlfriend and I, we broke up. It was an eight-year relationship and I really had a crisis, you know, and I was wondering, what am I doing? I'm in my early 30s now and I spent, I did spend my life like working a lot, but I really don't like my job. <laughs> I think it's super shallow. And I rather want to spend my energy in something that I feel like is more important in a bigger spectrum. To be honest, I was always quite interested in porn, in sexuality. I mean, I do live in Berlin. It's a quite sex positive space, but we don't really have a lot of women and non-binary people behind the camera. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I, I do camera operations. I'm a director. I, I do have the skills and I always get good feedback, you know, that it's nice to work with me. And I was like, okay, what's an industry where it's very important to have high empathy mm. and also to, to see if there's something we can change? Because why does porn work in a certain way? Why does porn look in a certain way? And is it time maybe to change? Did you already have contacts in the industry? I'm curious how mm. how you were able to even go from the outside to the inside, if that makes sense. Mm -mm. It was super easy. Oh, <laughs> it was <great>. the <laughs> easiest thing ever. The porn industry itself is very welcoming and people are very open for input. To be honest, I was just sitting with a friend of mine in a cafe and I was like, okay, I know I want to do porn, but I don't really know how to get into it. Because often you see some porn stars, performers, but it's hard to get them. Of course, it makes sense. <laughs> you also need to stay private and to protect the privacy. So it's very hard from an outsider to get in touch. 
my friend was like, oh, my friend was dating someone who is actually doing porn. Maybe I can introduce you both. And it was like, oh, that sounds super lovely. It could be a good opportunity. So basically, I got this number from the performer. And I had this moment. I was like, okay, now we call her and I have to pitch my first film project to her. And hopefully it works out. I was super nervous. <laughs> but eventually I gave her a call and I told her what I wanted to and what, why I want to start doing porn. And she said, that sounds fucking awesome. I want to support it. Let's do it. And yeah, now I'm on my sixth film and just keep going. <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> yeah. I am curious. If you could share a little bit about your relationship with porn, like when and how did you first start consuming porn? I'm a millennial, so times were a little bit different. I was young, queer, and bisexual. We didn't really have, in my perspective, a lot of media to reach out to. So as many young adults, I started to watch porn when I was 13 years old. And I remember vividly that I had sex with one of my first boyfriends and it was very pornographic mm -hmm. in the way sex was performed. We were performing sex, but not really understanding our own bodies. And it, that moment stuck in my head mm. for a while. And I got older, I had different sex partners, and I was also performing sex. I was often not really in tune with my own body. And I was often performing sex as I expected it to, how it should look like. But did I actually ask myself, is this something that I really want to do? Is this the way I want to share intimacy? So from my perspective, I think porn is important for young adults. This is a way how young adults get in touch with sex for the first time. They, they take a look and they, they learn, they, they try to understand how does it look like. And I feel we are responsible for that. And I, how porn is produced and how we visualize porn. In my opinion, producers have to be more responsible for that. For example, at least show, okay, porn is a fantasy. Porn is not reality. Give maybe other op opportunities and option to show people how they can inform themselves furthermore beside porn or actually be more honest in porn. Real sex is adapting, speaking, conversation, changing pace, having constant talk, talking about boundaries. I think this is something we are still kind of like missing in porn. So in my films, I really want to push the idea of saying, hey, content is sexy, because there's often this kind of like sentence, oh, if you have too much content, it takes away the thrill in bed. Mm -hmm. But I think content actually opens the door to better sex. The more we talk, the more we exchange what we actually want in bed, the better the sex can become. On Ladies, Bea's backstory of becoming a feminist porn director makes so much sense of wanting to make a difference somehow with the skill set you have. And the opportunity to make a difference is massive when it comes to porn. Because let us not forget what we learned from sex educator Catherine Dukes on the episode Ask Unladylike, the dick pic talk. The average age of exposure to pornography these days is 11. 
Yes, you heard it right. Eleven. And I'll let that fact soak in while we take a quick break. And when we come back, it's going to be 1982, the year the porn wars begin. Unladies, are you tired of reading the same old boring news headlines? Tune into Crooked Media's podcast, Hysteria, for all the unapologetically real and opinionated conversations about the news stories you need to hear. Political commentator and comedy writer Aaron Ryan and former Obama White House Deputy Chief of Staff Alyssa Mastromonaco are leading the charge each week alongside a hilarious and relatable squad of bicoastal women and amazing guests such as Jessica Valenti, Jody Picoult, and Senator Maisie Hirono. With fresh takes on the political and cultural landscape, say goodbye to the male gaze and hello to smart, real, and refreshing content. And don't worry about the tough news. I mean, there is so much tough news to go around. But Hysteria brings the laughs and just the right amount of petty to help you power through the rest of the week. Tune in for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. And before I get back to my interview with Bea Blue, we need to take a little field trip back to the early 1980s when feminists were starting to really disagree about pornography. In 1982, there was a conference held at Barnard College. It was called Towards a Politics of Sexuality, and it was organized by a group of sex-positive feminists who wanted to have a lot of critical feminist discussions about sex and also kink, porn, things like that. Now, this 1982 conference is significant because it is considered the beginning of the intrafeminist porn wars, or it's also known as the sex wars, because protesting that conference was a group called WAP. And no, it does not stand for wet-ass pussy. Instead, it stands for Women Against Pornography. You might think that these were conservative women against pornography, women who were anti-feminist, perhaps. But in fact, Women Against Pornography was led by radical feminists who saw porn as the commodification of sexual violence against women that needed to be banned entirely. They framed it as a civil rights violation against women in that porn is, in and of itself, violence against women. It is so actively harmful to women, it violates their civil rights. 
that legal approach was ultimately ruled unconstitutional in court. And also, women against pornography doesn't exactly shake out on the right side of history, because in the process of taking such an extreme stance against porn, wanting to ban it, they found allyship with conservative organizations like the Christian Moral Majority that would love to see porn banned because of all of their moral and religious objections to it. Meanwhile, on the other side of the porn wars, there were pro-sex, pro-sex worker, anti-censorship, and even pro-porn feminists who were not on board with what WAP was selling. And in fact, the 1980s is when feminist porn first starts to become a thing. 1984, for example, was one of the first times that we know of that feminists got together specifically to hash out the question of feminist porn and whether it could exist, what it might look like, how it would be made. And it happened at this festival called The Second Coming. Love a pun. It was organized by a feminist arts collective called Carnal Knowledge. Also love it. And it featured members of a New York support group called Club 90, made up of porn performers, including feminist porn pioneers Annie Sprinkle, Candida Royale, and Veronica Hart. So, yes, while Women Against Pornography was getting a ton of public attention trying to fully ban porn, there were plenty of other feminists who were getting together and really engaging with the possibility of porn and seeing porn as a space for resistance, reclamation, and broader representations of sexuality. And today's feminist porn directors, creators, and performers are still working toward that vision and pushing the boundaries of porn in a positive way. Which leads me back to my conversation with Bay Up Blue. So getting into feminist porn, I'm curious mm. for you, what makes feminist porn feminist? Mm, yeah, it's such a long debate. I, I think I can talk hours about it. But yeah, I think one feminist porn is maybe, maybe can start with what feminist porn is not. <laughs> it's too easy to say I'm a cis woman. And since I'm behind the camera and I'm a director, I'm automatically a feminist director. Just the fact that I'm female doesn't make me a feminist director. Or the female gaze isn't automatically the better gaze. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very crucial. For me, feminist porn is empowering porn. That means, okay, showing more diversity, how sex could look like. My, my, my approach is to show just a more variety in how sex could look like and how dynamics could, can look like. And also from a more gender neutral perspective, mm. I, I try to work against gender stereotypes in that, but also behind the camera. I think it's feminist to empower performers to, to push back, to say, Hey, can you maybe not? show me from that angle or is it okay if if we re-edit certain parts in the film two 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 weeks ago i was in a feminist film screening so basically 
It was a group of feminists. I was invited to, and we watched a film of mine, and we were like analyzing it. I think that's important, just you know, to stay critical and also to ask ourselves, okay, what works well and what could be better. And you also are very intent on shooting ethical porn. Talk to me a little bit too about what ethical porn looks like, I guess, both on screen and off. First of all, ethical, of course, ethical porn means paying people rightfully. I worked in commercials and payment in commercials is much more better than in porn. The payment in porn, to be honest, is quite shit. So especially if you start out and many performers work hard for their money and as well as the producers, you know, and payment is still something that we need to work on. And we also need to be transparent about why certain sex scenes are paid in a certain range of money and why other sex scenes are paid less. Or how, how do we pay someone for sex? What's the right amount of money? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting ethical question. No, how do we rate sex positions? How much worth is a masturbation scene? These are questions that are still unanswered. But also, okay, how how make how do we make sure that performers feel comfortable on set? Right now, there are so many interesting conversations about consent coordinations. So basically, the idea is to involve someone neutral on film sets who is solely watching out for the comfort of the performers. Someone who is not the director, because of course the director has different goals and different perspectives. As a director, also, I'm also very involved with my performance and I want them to feel comfortable, but I like the idea of involving someone neutral. And this is something that especially ethical porn production companies are pushing for. If you don't watch out for that, you can traumatize people a lot. And this is a big responsibility. To be honest, sometimes I wake up in the morning before a shooting and I'm like, wow, I have to be very empathic. I really have to watch out. You know, sometimes people don't work well together. Mm-hmm. It's maybe an awkward day and the energy is off. So how can you ensure in such a situation that still everyone's needs are met? Yeah. You also asked me what's ethical porn on camera. I think porn that shows obviously a violation or is like promoting fantasies of violation, I think is more unethical. (laughs) I still have to wrap my head around it, but I think ethical porn is also porn that promotes consent culture, not rape culture. (laughs) If if this makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. What kinds of responses have you gotten in feminist spaces like the the screening Mm -hmm. that you just mentioned? Mm. Yeah, overall, I feel, I feel like the, those reactions are mainly positive. I think like people appreciate, I try to do what I'm doing, but I remember there was one, one girl and she was the only one criticizing me. (laughs) And I really liked it because I did shoot a film. The name of the film is Girlsplaining. And the idea is, to show women being more vocal in bed without fetishizing it, like showing it as some, as a normal component during sex and not saying, Oh, she's very dominant. And that's like part of a kink, mm-hmm. but just to show it as a normal part. And it's interesting because she was, uh, she was criticizing that in the film, you have this woman and she's addressing, okay, slow down the pace don't go ahead as fast and it's true in the film at one certain point she has to repeat 
that sentence. She had to make sure that he's staying in line, that he keeps respecting her boundary. But he was obviously like violating it. We were like deep talking, of course, and other girls didn't see it like that way. But I really liked that she she challenged me to stay conscious. It's not only important to have an idea, but also to be consistent mm. and to to be also aware of the details. The further I go, I realized that I have a big responsibility because every moment and every nuance matters for the bigger picture. And that's sometimes quite nerve-wracking, but I really like to be criticized. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Well, and yeah. I would imagine with porn as well, like anything where you are depicting sex, having that kind of viewer feedback must be so helpful because like, you never know what an individual person is going to be bringing with them kind of their mm. own experiences that's the thing I, I feel like in porn since yes we, we do have some very interesting directors and we have some very cool people working new ways and showing new kind of like ways in porn but i feel like since porn is still sometimes quite shitty Everything that is different is respected and celebrated, but we have to stay critical. It's not enough to make independent porn. We have so much power, we can make so much different. But of course, there's the other side. I see what sells better. And I see, for example, that non-binary porn and porn with different bodies doesn't sell as as good as, you know, the blonde girl with the perfect body. Mm -hmm. For example, and uh these are challenging moments, especially if you have to monetize on it as well. So that does lead me to a big question I have in a time of Pornhub. How do you make a living, build a career? I would imagine it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> we are used to like free porn. Every, free podcast, free everything. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But interestingly, yes, it's possible to, to make money with it, but you have to be consistent. It's, the, it's basically the same with everything. It's about consistency and just keep working, keep producing a lot of films and then eventually will pay off. And yes, there are independent feminist porn websites that people are willing to pay for. People are willing to pay for ethical, ethical porn, porn that is produced under better work conditions. But on the other hand, it's what I'm also what I realize is that there is a kind of like a march is that a lot of OnlyFans performers, performers who are used to work independently, reach out to me and say, hey, we would like to do something creative. We would like to have your perspective, your eye on our content. Let's work together and produce something together. This is something that that I feel is like a niche that I will hop into because I really like that. Actually, performers can work more independently because it gives them also more power. Yeah, I think you can make a living if you work consistently <laughs> and you if you keep going and if you work much more closer with performers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then it's possible. It's definitely possible. But it's also not like, oh, wow, if you work in porn, you're definitely going to be rich because <laughs> no, that's not the reality. <laughs> I feel like... For me, it's quite political. I do it not for the money. I do it for the statement and for the message, 
right now at the moment. I break even and maybe make a little bit of profit, but right now it's not, yeah, it doesn't really pay the bills. So I still have to work in commercials mainly. But yeah, I try to keep going. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You not only shoot porn, but you also script and mm. edit your films. Is there an aspect mm. of that you enjoy the most? I, I like every component of it, to be honest. <laughs> but what I like the most, what I like the most is that performers are so eager to be involved. They really want to share their own insights because this is something that is also more modern, I think, is that performers and producers should should work much more closer with each other. I don't really like the top-down hierarchy. There is the producer, director, and that's the idea and let's go with it. Mm -hmm. But I feel performers do have so much interesting input and especially, you know, when it comes to intimacy and maybe also stereotypes because also as a director, it's important to always be challenged. Is my idea maybe not as neutral as I wish for, or maybe am I leaving out some aspects that could hurt someone? I'm queer, I'm, I consider myself quite liberal, but sometimes I'm also running into stereotypes because of my education or maybe family background. And I think that the most interesting moment that I really like <laughs> is every time after I did a film, when the film is done, I send it to my performers and I asked them, okay, what do you think about it? Is there something you want me to leave out? Is, is there maybe something that doesn't resonate with you? Or is there something that you feel insecure about? Let's delete it. I think this is a very empowering moment. It reverses the power dynamic because I'm filming someone, I'm, I'm showing someone in a very vulnerable, intimate situation. How can we reverse dynamics and give performers true empowerment. Mm -hmm. I think performers should also have the opportunity to say, hey, stop, I don't really like how you portray me. That's sometimes a scary moment, but it's also a very rewarding and interesting moment. Have you had experiences where performers helped you course correct away from leaning into stereotype? Yeah, I remember there was one said I was shooting a non-binary porn with two non-binary performers. And I remember that I was sometimes lost when I was setting up the script, that I was not sure if if I'm kind of like still hitting some gender stereotypes. Mm. And then I was actually asking, and I also was sometimes quite honest. I said, look, I'm nervous. I'm Maybe I'm in some situation a little bit insecure. Can, can we talk about it? And that's also important to show that that a director not, does not always know what's right. And it's okay to not know what's right all the time. What is important is that we exchange and that we keep talking and try to find solutions. Because I think it's never wrong to say, I don't know. Can you help me? What's your perspective? What's your opinion? Maybe wrong to just go with it, even though <laughs> you're insecure, because it's okay to ask and it's good. We all have so many interesting perspectives. Why should we not change and involve? <laughs> yeah. So in your email to me, you mm. said that the time is now for 
change in the porn industry, what kinds of change needs to happen and can happen right now, do you think? So uh, during the pandemic, many performers were forced to become independent. Mm -hmm. So this is what we were talking about. Like many performers produce independent porn and publishing on OnlyFans or Pornhub. Performers don't really depend always on production companies. But now the pandemic is over. Production companies are back opening up. And now we have to see how can we do porn differently. And as I already mentioned, there is a lot of talk about like constant coordination on film sets. The Me Too movement also triggered a lot of important questions. How do we handle intimacy and violations on film sets? Shocking that those questions were not asked on porn sets regularly in the past. To be honest, I'm quite shocked that one performer told me before me, she was she was never asked if it's okay to shoot certain body parts. Or a non-binary person also told me, oh, they they were they were like shocked that I asked them, is it okay to shoot their chest? Mm-hmm. But these are basic questions, and people start to demand more answers. And if and I see especially in Berlin and in Barcelona that there are definitely a lot of groups now pushing for more ethical porn also told me oh they they were they were like shocked that i asked them is it okay to shoot their chest mm-hmm. but these are basic questions and people start to demand more answers and if, and i see especially in berlin and in barcelona that there are definitely a lot of groups now pushing for more ethical porn i see a lot of like interesting movements right now also in australia we do see a lot in san francisco there's a very important porn film festival and there in many cities there are many people who want to do something differently and yeah but not only the producers also the viewer Mm -hmm. people to be honest when i talk about my 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 job i never really get any rejection on demand so yeah porn there's a lot of stigma about porn of course But people are very curious what could be different. I meant to ask earlier when we were talking about kind of ethics and the feminism that you bring to your porn, Mm. what kind of aftercare do you build in and think about for performers like once shooting has wrapped? Mm. What I really love. So normally after shooting, We keep talking because I think this is also very important. You know, like sometimes it feels like, okay, the porn is produced and then the film is out there. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. It's very important to keep performers informed. What's going on with the film? Do you feel comfortable if you publish the film on this website? Mm -hmm. Of course, there are contracts. Yes, of course, there are contracts. Everyone is signing. But I think it's important to beyond the contracts to just stay in touch. Oh, is the film going to be released on a film festival? I think it's human that performers want to know what's going on with their picture. There's something also very, very, very good. I worked together with one porn production company. I was a guest directing for them. And I really liked the concept that after the shooting, they will interview my performers if they felt comfortable shooting with me. Was there something that was missing out? Did I violate something? Is there something that could be improved? And I think that's 
it's a little bit uncomfortable for me, but I think it's so important for them. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the feedback. And I think that's so amazing. This is something I've never seen before. And I love the concept. There should be a neutral platform that performers can reach out to and say, hey, I like to work with that director, or maybe I don't recommend that director. Often people say, oh, you can you can tell me how you feel about certain things. Or if you don't want to perform a certain position on set, let me know. But the reality is during a shooting, there's still a lot of pressure going on. Maybe sometimes people are allowed to say no, but I think sometimes it's still hard to say no mm-hmm. for different reasons. Maybe time pressure, money pressure, or maybe we don't want to, you know, uh, show off that we are maybe difficult to work with. There could be so many factors, and this is so important to establish feedback possibilities without consequences. It's so. it sounds like a different form of the consent that you yeah. want to promote in the actual porn. Yes, yes, yeah. If I'm the director, and if I if the power dynamic mm. is given, you know, it's hard to sometimes say no. So this is important why it needs different like guidelines and opportunity to make sure that porn stays ethical and that it's not greenwashing. Because of course mm. we see also that there's a lot of like promotion of ethical porn right now. Because yes, Pornhub is struggling with, with their image and reputation. But what does it actually need to be considered as ethical? Because there is not something like a patch that you can put on your porn, you know, and, you know, everyone agrees on that, that this is ethical porn. I mean, to be honest, we are not even like, we don't really have like those things on organic food, you know, there are also a lot of like patches going on. We don't really have this in porn. Yeah. The more regulation, the better. And even though if it's uncomfortable for directors, but I really welcome that. What would you say is the biggest thing that you have learned in the year and a half since you have started in this yeah that um that people are very like welcoming and people are very eager for change mm. it doesn't it's not always easy for me as well I'm, from my family side i have romanian roots they don't really like what i'm doing <laughs> it's very complicated sometimes and they stigmatize it mandatory but you know if you hear porn, you always feel like, oh, that's a very shallow, very sexist and very maybe sometimes also brutal job. But I wish we can step back and open conversation about it because I'm really against banning porn mandatory. I understand that some feminists are worried and I definitely understand also where their worries are coming from. But I think like banning something doesn't contribute to a better change. I feel let's rather open up and try to do things differently because I think porn might not disappear in the near future. Let's rather open it up normalize it and try to do things differently if we normalize things and don't do it behind closed doors we can regulate it and we can ensure that work conditions are best i hope one day we are in a in a future where we say oh i I watched this interesting movie uh, like in the same way as we can maybe we can say one day oh i watched this porn it was interesting i would like to share with you let's have just a creative exchange about porn as much as much as we do about regular movies 
Okay, young ladies, I'm all ears. What do you think about feminist porn, porn in general? Does anyone have an especially terrible porn for women example to share? <laughs> like that novelty book I mentioned at the top of the episode? I'd love to hear them all. Hello at unladylike.co is where you can send your emails and voice memos, or you can DM them to me on Instagram at unladylikemedia. Thank you so much to Bea Blue for reaching out to me and inspiring this episode and also doing her part to make better porn. To find out more about Bea Blue and also watch her work, you can go to her website, Bea, which is B-E-A, BeaBlue-Film.com. And to stay in touch with me, you can follow Unladylike on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Unladylike Media. If you appreciate Unladylike and want to support an independent feminist podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash unladylike media and join the Patreon for $5 a month or more. Enjoy yourself a weekly bonus episode. Enjoy yourself comment sections with your fellow unladies. And I will give you in exchange all of my undying gratitude. Unladylike is an Unladylike Media production, executive produced, created, written, and hosted by me, Kristen Conger. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Our fantastic intern is Analia Nonye. Did you listen to Naked Protest? Go listen to Analia's episode. It's so good. Until next week. And just so you know, this will be an edited interview, so feel free to stop, restart. You can curse. All of I the can fun curse? Things. Yes, yes. <laughs> Are you sure? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I mean, this is yeah, unladylike. Yeah, 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 I like that. <laughs>